Lawmakers are back in the nation's capital after the holiday weekend and have a long list of issues they need to tackle before the end of the year, which includes key votes on new party leadership and as well as top priorities like funding the government. To dive into the politics of all of this, I am joined by our Politics Monday duo, Amy Walter of the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter and Tamara Keith of NPR. And it is so good to see both of you on this Monday. Welcome. Um, but I do want to start, frankly, with the conversation we just heard between Laura uh, and our two guests, Tam. Uh, you heard what they are saying, that Republicans who are not denouncing former President Trump are trying to appeal to the base. What does this get them politically? Well, and I will say that uh, as members of Congress have returned to Capitol Hill, in particular senators, they're all being asked about it. And many of them are saying, well, I wouldn't have had dinner with those people or Trump shouldn't have had dinner with those people. Um, but but Trump himself has not uh, disavowed the dinner, has not disavowed his guests. Saying you didn't know somebody is different than saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I had dinner with an anti-Semite. I'm so sorry that shouldn't have happened. And in fact, he hasn't disavowed the ideology of the people who came to dinner uh, at his resort um, and and had a private dinner with him. Um, and, and part of the reason for that is that they support him and they support um, some of these conspiracy theories that he has been promoting. Um, increasingly, he has been forwarding on uh, memes that uh, that appeal to the QAnon conspiracy theory, global conspiracy theory, and at the root of that conspiracy theory is a whole lot of anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm, for sure. Amy, what, what does this get the Republicans who are not denouncing uh, former President Trump? The big question is when, not so much when will Republican Party leaders come right out and say, stop it, no more, we are going to have no more of this with Donald Trump. When will Republican Party voters say that? And right now... If you look at the data, if you look at the polling, you still have a majority of Republicans out there saying they would support Donald Trump for a 2024 bid. Yes, there's a growing group of voters saying they're looking for somebody else or they'd like to support somebody else. Mm -hmm. But the only way that this goes, to, to, you know, that, that, that uh, the message gets to Republicans in Congress, Republican leaders, is if their voters are saying, I don't want to support this person anymore. And is there any evidence that that might happen right based now, on past there's no, history? No. Uh, based on past history? Well, uh, again, you would think, given all the hand-wringing after this past election, there would be more frustration bubbling up among the, the sort of rank and file. We're hearing, we're seeing reports, some stories from state parties where Internally, the state party chairs and others who were big Trump supporters are getting serious challenges. But it's much less about the belief system and the ideology of Donald Trump or who he's having dinner with, consorting with, than the fact that Donald Trump is no longer the winner that he was in 2016. And I will say that as I was talking to voters right before the midterms, there were a lot of them who expressed reservations about Trump's baggage. They also expressed reservations about his losing. Um, and he hadn't even lost the midterms yet with it, with his some of his candidates losing. So there there is an unease, but you know what? Like in 2015, I talked to a lot of voters who said, oh gosh, I wish he wouldn't tweet so much. I mean. Now it's, well, I wish you wouldn't put so many things on Truth Social and hang out with conspiracy theorists. Mm -hmm. it, it's not clear yet 
and and we won't know it until we see it. Right. Um, exactly. Whether this is just too much baggage. Yeah. Well, it's important to point it out That's and right. to talk about it, That's and right. and then you know people can decide. Um, Amy, uh, Congress. It's back. Congress At least some of back. it's back. Yes. Some of it's back. They've got a packed agenda. They've only got a few weeks to go, or less than that even, uh, to get a lot of work done. I mean, keeping the government funded. How much of this are they likely to get done? So there's a theory in lame duck legislating, which is the time we're in right now, that it's either a time to get all of your wish list, all the things you couldn't get done during the normal time. It's kind of like being a student and you crunched everything into that last week uh, of school, trying to get it done, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in this case, we know that there, not only is there very little time, but there's not the coordinated um, support for some of the pieces of legislation that, say, Democrats would like to put forward, like finally dealing with immigration and DACA or an assault weapons ban. That's not going to really go anywhere. The one thing that does seem to have bipartisan support besides keeping the government open um, and the defense authorization uh, legislation is a gay marriage, basically repealing the Defense of Marriage Act from 1996 and ensuring federal protection uh, for same-sex marriage across the country. That's probably, when I talk to folks today who, who watch this, uh, that was their sense of the one thing that is most likely to make it through. It, and what about? It's yeah. also possible that the Electoral Count Act could, could make it through mm, because mm. there is bipartisan support in both yes. the House and the Senate. They need to reconcile those measures. If it's going to happen, it's going to have to happen in the lame duck because what happens when Republicans take over the House is all of these measures that are passing on a bipartisan basis with like a few Republicans and a lot of Democrats. Democrats control the floor right now. If they don't control the floor, if Republicans control the floor, it doesn't matter that like 10 Republicans support a bill. They're not going to bring it to the floor. That's a fast track to losing your speakership. So a lot of change. Speaking of the new Congress, I mean, we're already all thinking about this, Amy, the idea that it's, it, Democrats are turning it over a new generation. That's right. On Wednesday, for the first time in 20 yeah. years, Democrats will have a new leader of their party, most likely to be Hakeem Jeffries. No one's challenging him. He would be the first uh, black leader of any party for the House or the Senate. Interestingly, you know, I was I was looking through this today before I came in because that's the kind of work that I am, that <laughs> when Nancy Pelosi was elected to leadership in 2001, Democrats had essentially the same number of seats in Congress. 214, they have 213 now. But the makeup of Congress was so different. They had members from Arkansas and North Dakota and Mississippi. Now the caucus is more diverse. Mm -hmm. There are more women, there are more people of color, but ideologically, geographically, much less diverse than it was when Pelosi took over. So in some ways, Jeffrey's job is challenging in that he's got a very diverse caucus, got to keep them together, progressives, moderates, but they kind of all come from the same place, which is very different than trying to get people who are from New York City and southern Mississippi on the same page. The moderates have just kind of... That's right. Sink, have the, sunk into the background. There are very few of them. Right. Very few of them. Um, new Congress, it's, it's a change among the Democrats and for the Republicans. They've got a lot of figuring out to do. Right, and they have this very narrow majority. They also have more than a dozen, close to 20 Republicans who won in Biden districts or bluer purple districts. And so these are Republicans who may not be quite so excited about 
passing a partisan messaging bill or uh, launching, you know, approving a, uh, a, a subpoena for a White House official or, or doing some of these uh, more showy things that other Republicans, more hardcore Republicans, me that many of the Republicans in leadership ran on. Um, and so it will be an interesting balance uh, seeing whether these moderates just have to go along or yeah. whether they end up causing problems for their leadership that are different problems than the leadership is worried about right now, which is their more conservative members, um, you know, it, trying to extract um, uh, concessions from leadership before before Kevin McCarthy or whoever it ends up being is ultimately elected speaker. So is all this a recipe for <laughs> It's going to be quite interesting. Well, we have a big generational change yes. on the Democratic side, too. It's really important yes. to point that out, especially uh, Jeffries Pelosi. is in his early 50s. Pelosi, yes. of course, is uh, 80. Um, and other members of the Democratic leadership also much younger than the current members of leadership. Um, the thing that is going to be the most interesting, besides what Tam pointed out, is this rift between the Freedom Caucus, more conservative Trump, and uh, the more moderate or traditional conservatives, is what happens with the debt ceiling, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And that is one where very few votes, you've got to get the Senate McConnell also has to get his team on board. And there are a lot more Trumpy senators in the Senate now than there were a couple of years ago. It's going to be so exciting. A lot um, happening. It's going to be it, it, a lot's at stake. Yes. A lot at, at stake, stake in Absolutely. all this. Tamara Keith, Amy Walter, thank you both. You're welcome. You're welcome.